from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers hand the Toronto Argonauts their second loss of the season, 31-21, but it didn't go at all the way we thought it would. The result, the end result, may not be a surprise the way it got there sort of was. Uh, we'll go through the game, uh, tell you what we thought of Cameron Dukes and, and some of the other guys that that stepped up and, and uh, played for the Argonauts with a few players resting for this evening's game. But before we get to that, I want to tell you a little bit about something in the water brewing and a big event that they've got coming up this Friday pre-game for the October 6th game against the Edmonton Elks. At Something in the Water Brewing in Liberty Village, they're going to be having $10 margarita pizzas from Pico pre-game and uh, you, yeah, you got to get out there and check it out. You can get some longboat. You can still pick up the longboat barrel mug uh, with Colonel Troutman. I've got it here beside me uh, with my with my longboat going on here. Uh, and of course, you, you can grab that. You can try all their great beers. Uh, but you can also get that $10 margarita pizza from Pico. It's the perfect spot to stop to uh, before the game because it's only steps from BMO Field. So make sure you get down there Friday, October 6th, pregame before the 150th anniversary game. It's gonna, we got a lot to talk about in the coming week. We'll get into all that in our pregame walkthrough podcast midweek uh, as we can set you up for what's going to be an epic game and a celebration of 150 years of Argos football. But you can start out your night Friday, October 6th at something in the water brewing. JB, uh, what did you make of this game? It was it, to me, it was it was one of the weirdest games I've seen this season, and we've seen some odd ones. This one was odd from the get go because it wasn't really what I thought we'd see from from Winnipeg, and the Argos were a lot better than I thought they were going to look with uh, a lot of uh, substitutes in. Uh, yeah, it was more entertaining than than maybe an exhibition might have looked like. Uh, you know, Dukes, Dukes had a terrific first half. Uh, they get off to a really good start. They kind of, I think they caught Winnipeg by surprise. I think Winnipeg kind of expected them to roll over. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty entertaining game. I thought, I thought, um, I thought I would give Dinwiddie some credit for sticking to his plan because I think it must've been really tough. His plan to get Cameron Dukes three quarters to get Brian Scott a quarter this was exactly what happened in Hamilton preseason. It was the exact same formula. Dukes plays three quarters, Scott comes in for a quarter, and then Dukes goes out for the last drive to see if he can uh, put together a game-winning touchdown drive. That's that's pretty much what this was. And it must have been very tempting going into the fourth quarter with the lead. The Argos up in the fourth, and they stayed with their plan, though. They didn't deviate from it. I think that's really important because... You know, as, as well as I do, coaching, like on the sideline, we don't always make the most rational decisions. Like you like to think you do, but often I'll be watching game film afterwards and I'm like, why, like, why, why, did, I get, why did I get away from my plan? Or, you know, why, did I, why didn't I go back to this? It was working so well. It's hard to sometimes see the big picture from the sideline. And Dinwiddie stuck with his plan. This was the plan going in and he stayed with it. So full credit to him for doing that. And in that sense, uh, this, was, this was big for the Argos because I think they answered some questions. And I, I feel pretty comfortable with some of the answers that they came up with. And we'll get into that when we talk about Cam Dukes a little bit. How, why do you think Winnipeg was so flat? 
Uh, well, I think it it's a bit it's a bit deflating to play an opponent who's not really trying because then you know if you win, it's kind of a no win situation for Winnipeg. You know, if you win big, they weren't trying at all. If you barely win, then like, oh, how come you couldn't beat this team? If you lose, then the sky is falling. It's it really puts Winnipeg into a, an untenable position. So. I think from the player perspective, uh, it's hard to dial up the intensity needed when you feel like it's kind of a no-win situation. I definitely felt that. Like it just felt like the error was was out. Especially when they, it was almost worse for them when they walked down the field and scored that first touchdown because then they really felt that they they just drove down the field without any effort at all. Seemingly got a touchdown. They're up seven nothing, and then that was it from them for a long time. They didn't score another touchdown until three minutes left in the game. It was a few field goals and, and that was it. And it was just because I think, like you said, they kind of like, oh, okay, well, this, this seems not even trying. And the thing is, the Argos were trying. It's just not with personnel. The personnel was the key here. They were trying, they weren't trying to put their best players in the whole game. They were in fact doing the opposite. They were trying to get them rest. AJ Olette started the game technically, but he only had two touches. He had one run, one reception, and then DeAndre McMahon replaced him in, in the second half and, and got most of the snaps in this game because they obviously wanted to take a look at him, evaluate him in different situations. We'll talk about him a bit more later too. Um, and then you look at like the receiving court, like DeVaris Daniels has, has one reception and then they go away from him. And it was like that across the board. You look at all the players that they know they're going to need to lean on in in the playoffs and they kept them out of harm's way starting obviously with Chad Kelly but also including AJ Olette, DeVaris Daniels and and you know the, the list goes on so uh, I, again I, I I get what Winnipeg went through um, I think for them it's a good thing they pulled it out like can you imagine if they had lost to Cameron Dukes and Brian Scott if they lost at home coming off a loss and a bye you you said the sky was falling like the sky would have been falling for for Winnipeg in that scenario so um they're um yeah for their sake um obviously it was a good thing they didn't lose but you're right in that it doesn't really feel like a, a win for them because the Argos kind of treated it like a preseason game yeah and that that's a very frustrating place to be as their opponent <laughs> for sure which which you know is not the argos problem of course right and let's just get into that part too because I, I don't know if you and i are on the same page on this and i want to put this i don't know if we can put it to bed if we're not on the same page but like let's let's discuss this because we didn't really get into it too much in our pregame walkthrough this week i believe the correct decision was to rest chad kelly this week i don't i don't think there was any other option i think running him out there would have been foolish but there's another way to look at it obviously so what is that other way well i i agree i think that it it is the right decision but i wouldn't go so far as to say it's not a decision you can you can also make an argument that you want to test yourself against the best and when you have an opportunity to do that you you should try and do that i mean uh, i don't i don't think that side of the argument wins but i don't think it's not an argument or it's not a point of view that is at least worth considering so you know i i come down on your side but i i don't see it as a you know as a 
a no brainer or, 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 you know, only, only one possible answer. I, th- I do think there is a legitimate argument for playing everybody who's healthy and to, to test yourself against the other really good team in the CFL. The Argos technically had nine starters out today. I don't think most of them, I was going to say most of them, I, I don't think all of them uh, would have been able to go if they really wanted to, but I do think most of those guys would have played if it were a playoff game. But guys that are banged up, you know, guys like, like and I, again, I don't know the extent of everyone's injuries. I'm just basing this on who was able to practice, who was able to go limited, go full, etc., but I have to believe that if this was a playoff game, I think we would have seen Jamal Peters out there. I think you would have seen Isaiah Cage out there. I think you might have seen uh, Sean Oakman, Winton McManus. They would have been out there too. I think probably Cam Phillips would have been out there. So there's a, not just Chad Kelly. There's a bunch of guys that if this game mattered, you would have seen out there. And so it was hugely valuable to get a lot of these guys reps to get a Qantas Stiggers even, like a guy that's been, he's had playing time, but not on the boundary side. And so that was good to get him in in a really tough matchup too, matching up against Kenny Lawler uh, the whole game. And I thought he did very well there. Yeah, really well. Yeah, and had a pick as, as well. Like I thought he looked fantastic there. And so now you're in a situation where you've got two excellent boundary corners and you have no... No qualms at all about putting either one of them to the field side. I thought that was that was something that stood out well too. And you got Jonathan Jones reps at linebacker. Although I will say, uh, Winton McManus was noticeably uh, missing in stopping the run today because that's something that Winnipeg just took over at the end of the game. And Toronto could not stop Oliveira at the end of the game, and we haven't really seen that when Winton McManus has been on the field. They're giving up something in in the the run stop when they've got Jones and and Williams out there as opposed to McManus. Let's talk about Cameron Dukes. So what did you see from Cameron Dukes? What what was your assessment of him this evening? Uh well, I mean I I, I suppose I should start with honor is due. Uh he played pretty well. I thought that um you couldn't ask much more I think of a backup. Uh he had a he, you know he didn't turn um, the ball over, he he had a, a, a really good passing percentage. He, you know, he, he he was able to to run the ball. He was able to earn me some golden fleeces. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I, I thought he played fine. Like, I, so I, I do I give him his his roses, his his flowers, because, you know, I might have been. <laughs> a little flippantly harsh on him. Um, I thought he played pretty well. You know, he he definitely read the plays. He definitely made the smart decisions and threw it away when it wasn't there. I'm sure the coaches will love his film. Um, I, I, I wasn't blown away. I would say, like, I, there weren't throws that surprised me or reads that, you know, where I was like, wow, whoa, what do we have here? Like, I think he, he looked like a, a fine backup. I agree. And so, like, compare this performance that you saw tonight to what we saw in Chad Kelly's only start last year. You remember that meaningless Montreal game where Chad Kelly came in and went into, like, gunslinger mode and threw that ridiculous <laughs> touchdown to, to Breskison yeah, yeah, yeah. and the other one to Brissett. Like, that, very different games given the same opportunity, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't think anybody thinks, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe you do, but other I don't. than you, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks Dukes is a is a candidate to become the starting quarterback. Um, 
but he was yeah he was fine which is which is good i mean i think you 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 hope for fine um the receivers certainly helped him out some great yards after catch and he had some nice reads and i wasn't you know winnipeg probably did not spend much time studying him um because the throws he made those guys were pretty open um you know so that's good he hit the open guys and uh he ran in a touchdown yeah so i i full credit to him i thought i thought he did exactly what he's paid to do which is be you know a professional quarterback as the backup yeah and that's what i thought he looked like too like when we saw chad kelly last year in that game even though the argos didn't win that game either Chad Kelly looked like, oh, this this guy. And we knew that anyway. Like we, we were saying that all season long. Like the right thing to do was to keep Chad Kelly on the bench behind Bethel Thompson. But he was clearly going to be a starter going forward. We knew that before we'd even, you know, just even based on seeing him in, in camp and in, um, it, you know, in preseason and, and meaningless football, we knew that. But seeing him do it in that game last year, it showed us. We're like, oh, yeah, there are elite traits here. There are things that are really going to make him special. With Dukes, that's not what I saw, but I, I saw, like you said, everything I wanted to see from a backup quarterback, and we didn't know we had those going in. We didn't know that that those were things that the Argos were going to be able to count on. We, we talked about in the pregame walkthrough this week, the uncertainty around the backup quarterback situation. We, we talked about that preseason. We've been talking about this since the season started, and they came into the season with one quarterback who'd had one CFL start, and that was it, and that's Chad Kelly. And so... I, it's not that this issue, it's not that it goes away because one start is one start. We don't know based on this start that Cam Dukes will be a perfectly fine backup quarterback, but I certainly feel a lot better about it today than I did a few days ago because he came into a hostile environment in Winnipeg, a sold out stadium, playing against the second best team in the league and did not look out of place. He didn't look like uh, he didn't look like he didn't belong out there. He made good reads. He made good throws. He threw the ball away cleverly instead of taking sacks or forcing a ball that shouldn't have been forced. As far as I could tell, the only mistake he made all night was when he tried to lateral it right at the end of the second half <laughs> to Coxie. I'm not 100% that's what he was trying to do, but I'm like 90%. It, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure. what It, it certainly looked like it. I think, you know what I think happened? I think he, and this we've seen this happen before with, with Americans. He, there were like four seconds left on the clock as he was going down. I think in his brain, he's like, I got to get this ball out because if I go down here, that'll be the end of the half. But of course, in Canadian football, it doesn't matter if the clock goes to zero. As long as you go to ground before that, it's fine. You can let it go down to zero and then kick your field goal. You're not in a rush. And the reason I think that is because even late in the game, the the, the last play of the game, uh, he had them hurry to the line because the clock was ticking down, even though there was still 18 seconds left on the play clock. It wouldn't have mattered. You, you still get your playoff, right? And I think that's what he was thinking. I, I don't know. I'd like to talk to him about that. But that's to me, he's like, I, I can't go down and bounce here. And so he looked over, saw Coxie there and just like tried to pitch it over to him. And fortunately, Coxie jumped on the football uh, and they were able to kick a field goal at the end of the half there. But that was the only mistake where I'm like, oh, that's that's not a good play. But other than that, like, is, is this enough to like you've been sort of a more a skeptic than me? Is this enough to convince you that? backup quarterback is fine for Toronto or do you need more? Um, 
I mean, I have to say I'd like more. Uh, like if 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 Dukes was starting the Eastern Final, would I feel confident? I mean, I I don't think that's a knock against Dukes. I think that's probably true of all you know most teams uh, and their backup. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think in in a vacuum, I would like a veteran uh, who has starts to be the backup. I think that's that's more what this team needs. But if that's not available, I thought he. You know, I thought he looked fine today. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't think that I would feel great with him getting the start in the East final. But I don't. That's not what we're talking about. We're we're talking about a scenario where Chad Kelly goes down mid game. You need someone to pull it out, and yeah, I, feel I mean, comfortable he played Winnipeg, or at least a version of Winnipeg, and he threw the ball over two hundred yards, and he, you know, he ran for a touchdown, and uh, you know, so yeah, I think that he he has certainly. It's no longer. They must get another quarterback. I think it's. I think it's fine. And I agree. We need to see more. I think. I think the next time he gets action will be key. Uh, there'll be at least one other game that Chad Kelly doesn't play. We've been told yeah, that. Yeah, and the and the and the team will have film on him. Right. That's the thing. So now you'll take this film and good film too. They'll have this. the The film against Winnipeg will be very helpful for opposing defensive coordinators. I would love to see. Like I hope. I hope Dukes's next game is against a team that really needs to win. And so we know for sure they're, they're taking him seriously. They're taking his film seriously. They will have deconstructed it and put everything they can into it. And I think that's a little different than maybe what we got from Winnipeg. But if he can survive that, even if it's, even if it's Ottawa, even if it's Hamilton, where, where there's no more games against Hamilton. Um, we've already gone through all 14 of those. Uh, if, there's another, if it's against Ottawa or Saskatchewan, let's say, I would feel very comfortable if he looked very similar in that game than he did tonight. I think at that point I would say, okay, Dukes is fine going forward for sure. But yeah, you want more than one game to to make that decision. Uh, let's look at some of the other guys that were kind of being evaluated tonight. Deontay McMahon came in for for AJ Olad. As I said, AJ only got one carry. McMahon was the only other back that got carries. He had five, uh, but for only eight yards. And six of those came on one play. This didn't look like the Deontay McMahon we've seen the last couple of weeks. So where was the magic today? Hmm. I mean, I think it's probably a combination of things. Um, one, they're they're certainly not looking to show anything. So, you know, McMahon is kind of a scheme-heavy runner you know that you're going to probably do some misdirection there's going to be a lot of moving pieces you know there's going to be more trickery when he's involved so they probably don't want to show that um as well if you don't have Olette as the hammer uh the the lightning you know doesn't or the thunder the lightning doesn't work quite as well because you don't you're not you're not reacting to to defensive flow you know where if, if Olette and there's throwing three guys at Olette, now you have a setup for a counter or a screen or something quick. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure they're surprised that they didn't come after Dukes more. I bet they thought that they were going to be able to screen more because the Winnipeg was going to come in with their hair on fire looking to chase Dukes all around the field, but it uh, didn't happen. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that had to do with, you know, forcing him to put a drive together instead of, because the, the risk with blitzing is that he connects with a big play or he slips through it 
and now can use his legs and get some yeah. some yards. Or maybe there. Winnipeg was like, okay, you know, you don't want to show us anything. We we can play the let's not show anything game. I'm sure that would like I'm sure they went into this game thinking that same thing because Toronto showed nothing. I, there was there were two yeah, plays I, that I, I didn't well, recognize. I didn't think Winnipeg showed very much. I mean, yeah, you know, they, there was nothing exotic happening out there. No, I agree, and I think that's it. Like they decided, okay, we got to try and win this game without showing anything. Well, we will if we need to, but they didn't really need to. Even at the end, there, like you could have seen play action off off Oliveira. He was running so well. I'm sure that would have been that would have been there, but they didn't even they didn't even bother. They just just pounded the ball straight ahead because they wanted to try and do it without having to to pull something new out of the out of their hat. So, yeah, both teams kind of kind of did that. As I said, I yeah. think there were two it like, plays. It was, that, like, uh, it was like watching two two guys shadow box. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it was. Yeah, I don't know. There was there, there were there was a tactic to it, obviously, uh, and I agree with what you said on McMahon. I think um, DJ Foster was a little bit like this. Remember him from two <laughs> oh, yeah. years ago, right? Like hashtag hashtag DJ Foster. Yeah, like because he he looked amazing when you could combine him in the backfield. Like he and White together in in twenty twenty one were fantastic, but when they put him on his own. He he just yeah he, he couldn't do anything and I no think, he, I think McMahon is a complimentary piece for sure yeah and I think they they probably saw that today and uh, he ended up yeah five carries for eight yards a fumble as well and that was that was a pretty costly fumble um, it turned immediately into Winnipeg points and I think that was the first time that they led in the game they outscored Toronto fifteen to three in the fourth quarter Toronto had the lead going into the fourth but uh, yeah they had the lead after. Had the lead after one, had the lead after two, had the lead after three. And just, yeah, in the fourth, Winnipeg turned it on and Toronto didn't really have an answer. So, uh, but that, that fumble was, was a pretty big play uh, in, a, you know, as big a play as it can be in a game that doesn't matter for, for the Argos. Uh, in terms of the other offensive guys, Neald continues to impress yep. me. Man, I like him after the catch a lot. Not only is he a big target, an easy guy to get a ball to, he just, he, he, He's like um, boxes out defenders so nicely, just uses his his body, and he always catches with full extension, so you can't get a hand on it. But no, he had he, some he, nice runs too after the catch. Yeah, he, I mean, he reminds me of a stupid blue bomber wide receiver that they seem to have a million of. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit like that. Same same sort of style. Yeah, which um, is great. It's great to have one of those on our on the on the Argos. Yeah, and Brissett, uh, I thought had a really nice game. He ended up so Neil had four catches, fifty eight yards on five targets. Brissett. Same thing, four catches, uh, four catches on five targets, thirty-three yards. But yeah, I thought those guys looked really solid. But aside from those two, Duke's had trouble finding everybody else, and I think a lot of that comes from not having the same number of reps with those first-team guys. Like you notice, the guys that he had the connection with, Neald and Brissett, those are for the large part second-team guys. Right. Those guys, most of the season have been second team guys. And just like we saw with Chad Kelly, where Coxie uh, was his guy and, you know, Coxie and he worked together last year as part of that second team. The same thing happened with Dukes, where he didn't really have that chemistry with anyone else the same way. So just, you know, something to think about, but not really a surprise. Uh, in, in terms of the offensive line, no sacks again. Uh, the Argos have allowed the fewest number of sacks in the league. I thought we would see that for sure today. They're, what they're so good at is not turning the ball over, 
getting sacks and not allowing sacks. Like those are the three things that have been at the top uh, and, and they are like, you know, right at the top of the league and have been all year. And again, kept that was a really nice pocket they had against a good defensive line for Dukes. And he scrambled a little bit. He helped himself out a little bit. But I, I never felt like he was under under siege back there in the pocket. So I thought the offensive line played pretty well, uh, one costly holding penalty aside. Uh, defensively, uh, who stood out for you? Anyone that jumped off the off the mm. screen to you? Uh, not particularly. Um, I thought that Mason Pierce, you know, flashed a couple times, which was nice for him. Um, I, I enjoyed uh, Costigan's uh, last Boy Scout dance, and Hendrick seemed to jump in on that too. So the last Boy Scout dance seems to be catching on, which was good to see. Uh, is that, is that to... where it's from? Like, for sure, does it, just look, it looks a lot like it, but is I, that... I assume. I, I mean, unless there's a Scottish you know, Celtic dance connection to, uh, to Ami Kostigan. I don't think so. Uh, Jared Brinkman, I thought it was great to have back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brink was, was good to have back, but he needed, he needed more relief. Uh, like he can, he's, you can't play that style the whole game. You need to be heavier in the rotation, uh, than he was, especially first game back. He was out there a lot in the first half and I, I think he, he wore down a little bit, but, that's what that's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I think I mean I think it was tough. It's you know much like Winnipeg. I think it's hard to flash when you're not schemed into you know when you're basically kind of playing head up ball. Um, you know it's going to be harder harder to stop the run. It's harder to to you know to get interceptions. All of that you're just kind of you know lining up and playing. So yeah, I mean not a lot not a lot pop, but I thought you know they did pretty well against a, a very good offense. I thought three guys stood out to me. Well, first of all, Jonathan Jones, it's not a surprise because we know like the Argos relied on him heavily at the end of last season. We know what he can do, but I'd kind of forgotten. I'd kind of forgotten how valuable he can be. And I thought he looked really good at that. I don't think Winnipeg's the best matchup for him, but he's a, a heck of a football player. Man, he hit Calero so hard on that one blitz. Uh, just knocked him into the next week. And he had a couple plays where he just came in so aggressively. He's just such a a physical guy and he he looked every bit the part he's not winning McManus and so there was a bit of a drop-off but not that much you know not what there would be on almost every other team um you you've sometimes forget no, he, about yeah, the depth he's, he's a tremendous asset to have as, as a backup to have that kind of hammer as a backup is uh is amazing and then the other two guys uh, so Mason Pierce you mentioned but yeah he's he's looked hit and miss a little bit since he's had yeah. to take over at halfback. I thought this was one of his, this might've been his best game. He's been by my eye, a little soft in coverage. Like he's been, what I mean by that is he's been giving too much cushion. He's been letting guys catch the ball in front of him and then stepping up to make the play. I felt like he did very well. The only time where he really got caught out was late in the game. I don't remember if, it, I think it was shown that he was matched up with, and Schoen made a hard cut to the outside, and he ended up in bad position, had to speed turn out of there and allowed that play to be complete. And I think if he if he positionally played that a little better, he wouldn't have had to speed turn. He might have been in position to, to break up that play. But uh, he just, you know, he got beat by a, a really nice route from one yeah, of the best receivers. That, I mean, that, and, yeah, that's wait. a great, that, now that is a throw. That's a wild throw. Yeah, yeah, that is a, that was a great throw. And it was a great route, like that. You can't stop that. That route from Schoen, the throw from Caleros, it was 
there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, like, I definitely wouldn't trade a quarterback that can make throws like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, despite the fact that he's been traded many times, including yeah, by odd. the Argonauts. Uh, Jamie Harry, also uh, a guy that got picked on quite a lot last week. He had to come in in relief. Uh, was it when Jamal Peters went down? Yeah, it was Jamal Peters went down and Jamie Harry had to come in and play play corner. And he, I, I thought, looked a little bit lost last week. Again, just got taken advantage of again and again and again, seemingly, and tightened it up this week. I thought he played pretty well. Uh, he didn't get tested the same way. I thought they would go after him a little bit more. Maybe they didn't. Maybe that wasn't something Winnipeg was interested in testing because they don't believe they'll see him if the two teams meet again um, because they did seem to attack it's so weird right like they went after I, I think they went after stiggers a lot more than they went after harry but i think the reason for that is they're trying to they're trying to test stiggers and they're trying to see because they know if these two teams meet in the gray cup stiggers is going to be out there harry's not and so that's my thought on that but i thought even still he looked really good defensively yeah he, i mean he was step for step with lawler every time every time i saw it and that uh, that the let's let's talk about the 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 turnovers. So the pick, first of all, from Stiggers was so was so good. We haven't seen him do that like a play like that since early in the season, where quarterbacks just underestimate his athletic ability, and he dropped back, got so much air, and was able to come down with that pick. I didn't initially think he was down. I thought the refs had blown that that play early, but on the replay, I do think that one of the Winnipeg receivers just got a piece of him as he as he was going to the ground. But that was, yeah, that was a sensational highlight of a play for Stiggers. And then being able to punch the ball out, I, I think it was, I think it was Jones that, or was it Jones or Mechie that delivered that crushing hit on on Olette and the ball ended up coming loose and, and got returned for a pretty big game? Uh, I think it might have been McFadden. It, yeah, it was, it was. And yeah, he had a great game. Yeah, I even forgot Olette, about. Yeah, what's that? Did you say on Olette? Oh, yes, I did. I meant to get on Oliveira. I often... Well, sometimes you, had, well, you, had, you had most of the facts right on that one. I had an O, and he's a running back. Um, <laughs> I do that a lot. I, I notice, like, every so often, I'll listen, listen back to our pods. I'll say the wrong team name, but, like, seven times in a row, and you never once correct me. And this that's time... Cause I'm, I'm, that's because I'm concentrating too much. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Listening carefully <laughs> to everything I'm saying. Just like uh, in this case, although you caught... Olette, which I'm pretty sure I did say, yes, on Oliveira. But yeah, McFadden had a huge game. That amazing tip. Remember the the uh, roll coverage they had? They sent a they sent a halfback blitz off the boundary side. Mechie rolled and Kolaris thought he had Dembski streaking down the field. But McFadden was part of that roll. He came over. He almost picked it, but he tipped it. And that would have prevented a, a long touchdown. But he that did. was a, Although I thought Coach was going to have his head when he took that bench penalty. I know, I know. That's, that was that is, that is. I mean, you want to get in a coach's bad books, take a bench penalty, even in a game that doesn't matter. Oof. Yeah, no, that wasn't good, and it it's unfortunate because it it marks his one of his best games as yeah, an Argonaut. Yeah, he did play really well. Oh, that, he was I great. mean, that'll that'll probably save him in the end for in terms of to, you know the the size of the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, he had a couple of tip passes, pass breakups. He. Um, yeah, play. He was all over the place um, at tea time, but uh, yeah, you can't you can't take that bench penalty at the end, even in a game like this. So you know, no, I, I thought I thought those guys were good. If going forward, of the guys that weren't in today, 
and maybe I'll give you my answer first and let you think about this for a second. But of the guys that weren't in today, that didn't dress today, who are probably coming back, who do you feel like the, uh, Chad Kelly aside, who do you feel like the Argos were missing the most? My answer is Wyndham McManus, like just seeing how the game went down today. Obviously, Chad Kelly would be my answer if I was allowed to include him. But aside from that, I really think that this defense, as well as they played tonight, I think it's a, a whole different defense when Wyndham McManus is in there, even as well as Jonathan Jones played. That would be the guy that I would choose. Who who do you think the Argos missed most tonight? Uh, yeah, I, I think McManus, you look at, you know, uh, your guy, the Winnipeg Olet, you know, ran for 200, <laughs> 290 yards or something. And, and uh, you know, he, that, that he, you know, he, he, that was probably the, the biggest connection. I think that you're, you know, you're, you're the defensive MVP. Obviously you're going to miss him a lot. Um, but, you know, I would also, uh, you know, I would also really look at uh, Oakman. I think Oakman, even if he doesn't get it on the stats, I think he's he's a guy who like 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 in the secondary, sometimes a guy can not necessarily be great, but he allows everybody else to play the position they're supposed to. It kind of like snaps everything into place. And I think the line works better with Oakman. You know, even if Oakman doesn't rack up the stats, I think it just puts the rest of the line in a better position because he is such a problem and you know, he requires so much attention. I think it, it opens things up for, for the other guys. The reason I think Oakman's so valuable is because as much as I like, I, I love Jared Brinkman. I think he's an amazing run stopper, one of the best in the league. Although, you know, today, obviously, <laughs> Oliveira ran all over them, but it's because he didn't have like, he, he needed a rest, like he needed yeah. more. No. And then, at, you know, at the end of the game, um, everyone was just beat, like the time of possession was so heavily skewed in, in favor of the Bombers. They they had the, the ball the whole game. And so that's not the ideal script that you're following. But I think when he and Hendricks are out there together, I think you do lose a bit of the sack potential. Like when Oakman's out there, I think he he frees up guys a little bit better. And so Oakman's not as good a run stopper as Brinkman, but he does allow you to threaten the quarterback. And in the CFL, I would I would rather threaten the quarterback with sacks than stop the run. To me, and, and- that's more important. And Oakman has, you know, that gene, you know, you want to call it the clutch gene. He has, he has that, you know, when you need, you know, I've had, you know, back when my Patriots were were worth watching, you know, they would have like Vrabel, like you would just knew, you knew he was going to come up with a play when you needed it. You just, he just did. He would sack the quarterback or he would knock down a screen or whatever. You just knew he would. And, And Oakman is has got that third down you need a sack you need a you need a tackle for loss he he you know when he turns it on um you know i think he brings that to the line which is is so valuable and i think there's two other guys that come to mind when you say that like the guys that immediately pop into my head are jamal peters who seems to get a pick at the at the exact right time every time yeah i i think it just speaks to you know you know i know the tsn crew were I, I don't know, but it, I, I would guess that they were looking forward to really burning down Toronto for taking a beat down instead of playing their starters. Uh, but it just shows how talented that roster is, um, that that a B-minus roster can can hold its own with Winnipeg. You know, that's just that's the depth of talent that we've been talking about all season on that on that uh, on the 
on the roster. And the other guy I was going to say is Enoch Mwamba, who we haven't seen all season, but he's a guy that had always stepped up in the clutch and did last the last time we saw him on the football field in the Great yeah, Cup. Yeah, like he's more like an he's more like an honorary era ago. I know, I know, but it would, wouldn't it be amazing though if they could get him? Back? I expect to see him holding the flag at one of those home games. <laughs> you know, when, they the when they introduce him to the fans, that's right. Great, uh, great Cup hero Enoch Mwamba. Remember him, everybody. He's uh he's something. Uh man, I hope we get I hope we get to see Enoch again. Yeah. I um, I I I assume they're just waiting for the playoffs. It it would be something though if he could step out there. I just don't know. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can put someone like we talked about that last year with some of the linemen that came back like Nicastro and stuff. We're like, are they gonna put them in? And they didn't ultimately because you can't just throw someone in. It's so maybe and, and that's something we'll probably get a sense of those last couple of weeks of the season if Enoch's not in there then it's just probably not happening so I don't know that um yeah it would be amazing though if he, if he could come back for those last couple of games like what a, what a boost that would be even even though it's a position they don't even need a boost from it's just um you know he's he's a different he's a different player yeah you know bring him in for 10 snaps like just bring him in for 10 snaps and blitz him the a gap <laughs> Just go, you know, just go bulldoze the A-gap 10 times. I mean, that that's tons. Go make a play. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we sign off, last thing, uh, special teams tonight. Javon League had an almost uh, where it looked like yeah, he might was, have to break it. I was pretty it. impressed. Actually, you could see the Harco bench was pretty impressed with that kid who ran him down. I, I, know. Think you, I didn't think anybody could run League down in third gear. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, no, he because he opened it up and I thought he's gone down the sideline. Like that's it. And yeah, that uh, um, I don't even remember who it was. It wasn't a bomber I knew well. Um, was it Olette? Yeah, it might have been. Might have been Angel Olette came on yeah. the field, and made a tackle. But uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was a heck of a play. But yeah, he had he had a couple little opportunities today. Um, the kickoff coverage was a little bit questionable early. We saw Robbie Smith take a really bad angle on that that reverse. That was a cool play. Have you ever seen that before? The I think it was the opening kickoff. They you faked, mean like the like the jet sweep toss? They faked a reverse and then a guy came behind and actually did the reverse. Yeah. And so what was so cool about that and it's obviously something they saw on film or just wanted to try out, but Robbie Smith when he saw that it was a fake reverse really cut his contain now he just chased and then when they brought the second guy over there was no one left here and he he ran up uh the sideline for a pretty big game yeah was, i mean you, i mean you neat. need i mean i guess it's nice too right i mean that's you, you certainly <laughs> you need it you need a pretty big kick to have the time to to do all the shenanigans well bd's like the all-time leader in that so it's the yeah, right team to yeah, try I mean, it against he, exactly that that's the that is always the danger with his kicks that you uh, you do run the danger about kicking the coverage and and teams teams playing games with that. Well, that will just about do it for us on this post game reaction episode of the X's and Argos podcast. We hope to see you down at something in the water brewing this Friday. It's going to be a huge week all week. There's stuff going on as we get later into the week. Of course, it's the 150th anniversary. Uh, the Argos 150 years old. The actual uh, birthday the date is on October 4th and the game where all the celebrations will be or where, where most of the celebrations will be is on the 6th Friday night at 7 o'clock at BMO Field we hope to see you there for JB this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones I'll see ya.